I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a great day to be alive, and we have an amazing guest today. So We do. And if you're new here, we just want to say thanks for tuning in, for subscribing, and for taking time to listen to this episode. We drop a new episode every Monday. That's right. And so there's fresh content each week. You can find the show notes on the podcast app as well as at Young Adult Stop today. And we welcome on the other side, somebody who really in this area of ministry needs no introduction. I will introduce them in a second, <laughs> but I just want to say a big welcome to JP Jonathan Pakluda. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm excited to be with you guys today. We are thrilled. In fact, when we started Young Adults Today, hard to believe, but it was 2019. Mm-hmm. And one of the people that we prayed would say yes to an invitation is with us today. And JP um, is the lead pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. And he's the former leader of a popular young adult ministry called The Porch. We've had David Marvin and his team on. um, Mm -hmm. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, you can learn more about The Porch. But also coming March 2nd is a brand new book JP is the author of several books, including Welcome to Adulting, and this latest book is coming out March 2nd called Outdated, Find Love That Last, Even When Dating Has Changed. And so we're going to get into all things young adult ministry, all things this new book, but JP, I think a great place for us to start is could you just share some of your life journey and leadership experience with us today? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. I know that you can choose lots of different guests to share their stories and, and to, to exalt Jesus and to share of leadership challenges. And so if there, my prayer is if there's anything that I've learned along the way that would be helpful to your listeners, that God would take it, multiply it, place it in their hearts and minds. And so I, uh, I was raised in a small town, uh, South Texas, 6,000 people in the middle of nowhere. I was, I was raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic school for nine years and then really uh, ran from God in college. I went to a two-year technical school where I um, basically, you know, they say drug, sex, and rock and roll. In my case, drug, sex, and hip hop. And uh, graduated (laughs) somehow, some way, moved to Dallas, Texas, was everything wrong with Dallas and one person. I wanted to be a millionaire before I was 30. I was pretentious. I was focused on the world. And I was at a club 18 years ago and someone invited me to church. I sat in the back row, smelled like smoke from the night before, was hung over and heard the gospel, which I had heard a thousand times, but it hit my heart in a new way. Just the, the Holy Spirit opened up my eyes to the grace of Jesus Christ. I gave my life to him. And, um, and, and so as it, turn, as it relates to leadership, my, my background was in telecom. And so I I worked in corporate America for a fortune 12 company. And then I went to work for a smaller boutique consulting firm. It's always in business development, always calling on business leaders. And so I worked with a, a, um, I worked for a, a, you know, a well-known leader of a, of a fortune 12 company. And then I worked for a a smaller um, company. And, and then I went five years after becoming a Christian into ministry, vocational ministry, where I've, I've led for, uh, young adults for the past 14 years, but the past two years have been focused on the local church here in Waco. And so that's, I, I've, I've had kind of three um, very influential leaders in my life. One of them, maybe the most influential person in my life, uh, Todd Wagner is his name. He leads a church there in Dallas. I trusted Christ under his teaching. In my opinion, uh, he is one of the greatest leaders uh, alive, certainly the greatest leader that I've met. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing part of your story and giving the audience a brief introduction of who you are and where you've come from. And like you said, the love, sex, and rock and roll or love, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, I don't or think hip-hop. that's changed or hip hop. It, it really hasn't changed <laughs> right. this day and age. It may pivot in a d- different way or we have right. our own preferences, but we know that we have an opportunity to reach young adults who may 
be you 18 years ago. They may be in that season of sitting in the back of a church and God radically touches their heart for the 1000th and one time, you know, and, um, we know that obviously you have a heart for young adult ministry being in it for 14 years and leading at the porch and the the porch is a college ministry with gatherings of over thousands of young adults um, in Dallas, Texas. Will you share about your time leading there? What has God been teaching you? Um, what are you seeing? What are the students going through? And yeah, just give yeah. us insight there. Yeah. And it is, it's, it is college students, but even, but more than college students is actually like post-grads. So people in their twenties and thirties, uh, young adult ministry. And so it's essentially a singles ministry, but we say young adults. Um, yeah, I think, I think some just like leadership best principles of that age group. I, I, um, I kind of think about, do you guys remember when the, uh, light bulb changed. And so like this, this technology that had been around forever with the filaments and it's kind of the yellow light. And, and then all of a sudden led technology shows oh. up on the scene. And then you couldn't all, like overnight, you couldn't find those old bulbs anymore. And the, there were like these new bulbs with kind of this twisty um, I don't, tube. And, and then that was what you had to use. And, but they weren't super uh, aesthetically appealing because it wasn't what we were used to. And, and so that's just kind of, I'll use that metaphor, LED light, to set up where I'm going, because the truth about LED lights is they're more efficient, uh, they're more effective, they're, they're better in just about every way, they're just not what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And I think so often the church today looks at young adults and, and they just see the, oh, they're just not what we're used to, you know, and, and they, I, they, they wear kind of weird clothes, like these skinny jeans, now high water cutoffs, like what's going on with the yellow socks and, and the, the weird shoes and they got lines in their hair or, or just, you know, the, the hipsters, I don't, I don't know how to connect with them, but I want leaders to know that they are more efficient and more effective and better in just about every way. And really the, the engine of your ministry, if you can learn to deploy them. So let's talk about how to deploy them. It's really three things. Uh, I, w- I want you to lead with authenticity. And, and this is easy to say in church, but you've got to be real. So like when I say uh, drug, sex, and hip hop, um, you know, usually somebody's ears perk up like, wow, I can't believe he said that. Not just that, but I, I was enslaved to pornography for a number of years, better part of a decade. Um, I, I've, I've sinned. I feel like Paul is the chief of all sinners. And I don't share my sin for shock, for shock value. And it's not always a, a thing of the past. Like sometimes I'm preaching and I just say, before I start this sermon, I want you to know Monica and I got into an argument last night and we're not reconciled yet. And so as soon as this is over, uh, I'm going to find her and ask her forgiveness. But my heart is still a little in a weird place. Just being honest and real with people. They don't want some replica of their favorite celebrity pastor. They don't need you to be cool. They need you to be real more than anything they need you to be honest. They don't want somebody that walks a foot above the ground. Uh, you know, there, there's just like a part of Jesus who was, who was very, very, very real. Now we know yeah. that Jesus was also God. And, and so in, in, in a way, your greatest strength to lead them is your humanity. And it's that you, you have struggled like they have. And, and that's one of the appealing things about Jesus is, he, you know, he, he was tempted in every way, but but did not sin. And, but we can't say that we were tempted in every way and we did sin. And so we have that common ground and we need to build on that. So the first thing I would say is lead with authenticity. Anything you guys want to ask about that or before I go to the next one? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think it's really important. And I think that I would just ask you about self-awareness within authenticity, JP, because I think that it's one thing for people to think or see one thing or, or watch you be authentic, but then it takes quite a degree of self-awareness, I would say, to actually to figure out who you are before you can be authentic. Does that make sense? Like, what would you say it's, to that? It's a, it's a really keen observation, I would say, because I see guys hear that. Uh, men and women hear that and they grab the mic and they're just kind of reckless because they, they're like, Oh, okay, I can do this. Let me show you. And then it's just like, I, I looked at porn too, you know? And it's like, no, 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 that's, you missed the point. And, yeah. and it is a, it is a, yeah. Like who am I? How do I know myself, be myself and like myself and be comfortable in my skin and, and really honest, like just the word I would use is transparent that goes again with, with authenticity. 
authenticity. So I think self-awareness coupled with it is extremely important. The second thing I would call leaders to do to reach the next generation is to expand their vision. And so Gen Z and millennials, they want to do something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they want to totally. change the world. Yeah. They're green. They're, they're altruistic. They're very focused on the needs around them. And, and so they're, they're very social justice minded. And so you want to take that heart and compassion and help focus it on the right things, the things that will matter a hundred years from now and a hundred billion years from now. And so what does it look like to give them a bigger vision for the world than themselves? I mean, a lot of young adults feel like they're playing in a movie and they're the star and it's all about them. And they're trying to accessorize a character in a movie with a bag and a car and a job and a, and you know, a style. And I, and I would just, you just got to look at them and say, the movie's not about you. You've got a cameo. You're on the scene for about five seconds mm-hmm. and it's, and, and Jesus Christ is the star and everything you can do with your five seconds or your 76 years compared to eternity, they're about the same. How do you use your life and point to him? And, and so don't ask people to hold doors, to greet people. Uh, usher people, ask them to change the world, to be missionaries, to make disciples, to to counsel folks, uh, to be a pastor and train them and equip them to do that. If you if you'll if you'll expand their vision for what ministry can be, I think you'll see that they will be your greatest advocate and really the engine of your ministry. And that goes into the third thing I would call leaders to do to reach the next generation, which is to deploy people, um, to deploy those that you're ministering to. So don't do ministry to people, do ministry through people. And what does it look like for you to to give the ministry away, to not have all the fun, to meet with the lost people or to counsel the girl that just had an abortion or the the guy that's cutting himself or the person who's suicidal, but to say, hey, come with me. And and what do you want to share? And say, man, gosh, that sounds reckless. Like they're not pastors. They weren't trained. First of all, neither was I, um, except for on the job. And secondly, you training them will be some of the greatest ministry ministry experiences that they have. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about those three things before, you've got um, lead with authenticity, uh, you have expand their vision, and then you have to deploy them. And that's really that acronym LED, lead with authenticity, expand their vision, deploy them. Because I think if you if you can effectively do those things, you're going to realize that that those lights are really bright and really effective and really efficient and they get the job done better than than anything that we're used to we just got to give them a chance that's amazing i love how you landed on deploying people because so many people are like me they want to get in the game Mm -hmm. they don't want to sit on the bench they don't want to just spectate or observe they want a piece of the action and i think that sometimes we as leaders get caught up in collecting crowds and dispatching disciples or deploying people is such a great way to Mm -hmm. frame it because it is a bigger vision and that's the vision to which jesus called us and one of the things that the reason this podcast exists is because you've already mentioned it, but young adults are a missing element in many churches. And I would just ask you, I've been dying to ask you this since we started this podcast and JP, I'd love to just know your thoughts, your heartbeat a little bit about why, even like now you have the aspect too, that you've been a lead pastor, you've led a college ministry and a singles ministry. Why do you believe that young adult ministry is so important? part of how God created the world. And so think about Jesus in Matthew 16. Uh, there's some men standing on the side of a hill in Caesarea Philippi. And, and he says, um, who do you, who do they say that I am? Who do they say the son of man is? And they say, well, some say Elijah, others say John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And Jesus says, that's right, Peter. And on this rock, you're my rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And, and you know, Jesus is saying, I'm going to build this force of the kingdom, right? Like this unstoppable force. And the word that he uses there, it's not church. It's translated church now. But it was, it was actually a common secular word that meant, I'm going to recruit people. I'm going to call out people. Well, Jesus could have used anybody. He could have used the elderly. He could have used toddlers. He could have used adolescents. He could have chosen any demographic anywhere. But he, he chose these 12 men, 18 to 35. 
right? He chose young adults. Now, if that's what Jesus did, right, there's something interesting to that strategy. But then also consider with me any revolution in the history of the world. If we're talking sexual revolution, French Revolution, American Revolution, civil rights movement, anything, you look at the center, the epicenter of that revolution, and at the center of it, you're going to see a young adult between the age of 18 and 35. Like, like without exception, I challenge your listeners, send me, email me if you want any exception to that rule. So there's something about the way that God uses young adults. So I think one of the biggest mistakes churches and ministries make is to overlook this demographic that was really designed to be the, the engine of what they're doing. And they have time, they have desire, mm-hmm. um, they're available, they, you know, and they're teachable. If, if you learn how to teach and inspire them, like they'll be your biggest advocate. JP, I think that's so true. And one thing that I believe that we forget in that process of everything you just described is we underestimate their hunger for revival, their uh, their hunger for truth, their hunger to see the world change around them. And if we can be a part of their story, like you said, increasing their vision, getting a bigger picture, being authentic ourselves, saying like, I'm not God, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but you can know them and they can help you, you know, accomplish those goals and those dreams and those aspirations that you have as a young adult. And when you team up with Christ, life is more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And if we could just deploy those people property, uh, properly and lead them to Christ and point them to Christ through through anything. And one thing that I'm very passionate about is specifically the topic of purity, not just sexual purity, but living a life that is truly pure, that is truly authentic, that is truly dedicated to God and how we take care of our our spiritual beings, our physical beings, our emotional, you know, from our thoughts to our actions and everything in between. And we know that you um, wrote the book, um, I would just love to hear more about that because the book talks or takes um, just precedence. It looks at the myths. It looks at the misconceptions and the fairy tales that are believed about dating today and replaces them with truth. And from that truth, one, um, one who's maybe intended on getting married, we are also created to crave relationships. And this is, you know, the embodiment of true love with marriage rates as, as low as they possibly are, divorce rates as high as they've ever been, um, even more so in the midst of COVID. And this is a must, uh, must be talked about message. And you wrote about some of these things in your book. Will you just share with the audience and with us today and expound upon what spurred this passion in your heart to write this book? And and can you give us a little glimpse into what we can expect on uh, March 2nd if we want to order that? Yeah, imagine with leaders, like I would just say, imagine with me um, or think about the division that's in our land, the problems that are in our land. Like it, it's, this is, um, it's not completely unprecedented in history. Mm-hmm. It's unprecedented in our lifetime that we would see a country as divided as we are, that's politically, <laughs> racially, socioeconomically, um, faith-wise, like we, we, there's so much disunity, so many challenges, so many, so much rioting, uh, a lot of hate, um, just a lot of problems in our midst, which for ministers, it's a lot of opportunity to do work. But I think foundationally, the issue is the solution to the issue is Jesus. I believe that. That sounds a little trite or cliche, but if we were to, to really dig in, um, one of the major problems at the foundation of the division that we see is, is um, the family unit, the, the dissolving of the family. And if you think about how to solve the problems in our land, if you're really going to get it at the foundation, it's going to be when boy meets girl dating. Yep. And so I don't know that we fully understand the implications of how poorly we've dated has on all of the problems that we see in our land. And so in a way, like if I was to say it in a big vision way, it's like you change dating, you change the world. And I don't want to just change dating to change dating. I want to redeem it. I want to move back to what was God's desires for relationships 
being built? What what did he what did he, what does he want when he looks down and he sees us do this thing called dating? Dating's a new thing. It's about 120 years old, and so before 120 years ago, nobody went on a date. Date and dating entered the English language as a euphemism for prostitution. To go on a date meant to exchange sexual favors um, uh, for an experience, which if you look at the way the world dates today, it's, it, we're not that far off. Wow. But even in the church, it's a mess. Uh, I mean, there's amazing godly women at home who feel like they just have been forgotten and overlooked, that no guys are asking them out. You have the passivity and apathy of men uh, that, that don't want to... Uh, be courageous or or do something uncomfortable like asking a girl out uh, you have guys <laughs> yeah initiate you have guys who feel like girls always say no that their standards too high um, that they can't meet those standards that they want them to be perfect um you have people sliding into dms ghosting like just like there's no love there's no there's no like hey i'm really going to care for you i want to leave you better than i found you we all have this i want to use you up and then move on to the next kind of mentality, even if we don't realize it. Uh, you have the church, which has elevated marriage above singleness, which is unbiblical right. and wrong right. and not true, not consistent with the teachings of Paul or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Bible. Um, and and you have, as you said, marriage, people are getting married later, they're getting right. married less, and marriages are failing more. Marriages aren't lasting. We have more... Um, resources available to us to help us. We have dating apps, dating sites, a compatibility tests, personality tests, and professional matchmakers. And yet we're getting worse and worse at this mm -hmm. if, if the success is a lasting marriage. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying something has to change. And to change it, we've got to figure out what's going on, what's going wrong. Because there's a lot of people just continuing to date that way that is absolutely disastrous. And they, they haven't lifted their head up to think, oh, gosh, I'm doing this all wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I'm taking my cues and advice from Hollywood who has the highest divorce rates of anywhere on the planet earth. And they're the ones that are teaching the class on how to do this. Right. I've got to figure out a new way. And so that's, that's why I've written outdated. And I really think it has the potential to be that resource that changes the way that we date. I, I, I don't care. I don't give a rip about selling books i really don't like I've, I've got a ministry that supports our family i care deeply about helping people and i just read this book for audible so i read the audio and i got to the end of it and i was i was tearful like i was i was crying emotional because i just was so thankful I, it's the only resource i've worked on be it all you know books i've written blogs i've written articles whatnot writing projects it's the only one i got to the end of it i'm like i wouldn't change a thing that's, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And, um, and I, I think it's going to be extremely helpful. So if you're a leader of, of young adult ministry, if you're a leader of young adults, if you're single yourself or you know someone single, like I, I just encourage you to pick up Outdated anywhere books are sold. And um, as, as my friend said, it comes out March 2nd. And, and I think you're going to see it, to, you know, find that it's going to be helpful. We agree. And one of the things that I've observed, JP, of your heart from afar, really, is that you've had a really unique vantage point of pastoring young adults for the better part of a couple of decades, now leading a church. And with both of those uh, come the opportunity to speak into lives through counseling, through premarital sessions, like pre-marriage mentoring, things like helping build strong marriages, officiating weddings. And I think that it's like the time is now and you don't have to spend much time in young adult ministry to figure out that many people want to meet their future spouse. Right. <laughs> and that's not just common among women or common among men. It's common among humans. Like yeah. I think one of the prevailing thoughts of, I remember just, I'll speak to my own experience being a young adult. I remember just walking in a room sometimes and wondering, is she here right now? Because I had an epiphany. I was probably 19, 20. And I realized I did the math. I'm pretty good at math. You'll see. I realized she's probably alive right now. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so then I started walking into rooms and I was like, I, could she be here? I wonder yeah. if she's here. And so I think that for us to serve those that we lead well, mm -hmm. we need to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I look at the rise of online dating. I look at the amount of apps that have just launched during quarantine 
a pandemic Mm -hmm. because dating, like I know people who are close to me that are single and they've described, where do we go? What do we do when the world shuts down? And so (laughs) can you just go off script here a second JP and talk for the listener who's wondering, like, should I make an online dating profile? Should I, you know, am I putting myself out there? Am I, you know, can you talk about your perspective? And then from a, just as a Christ follower, like encouraging your brother or sister here. Yeah. Let me say a couple things just about online dating. So I, I, I'm a simple guy, I teach the Bible, and, and I never want to be guilty of the sin of legalism, you know, being more firm than the scripture is. And the Bible, obviously, it doesn't address dating anywhere because, I, I, as I said, it's a new idea. Um, the, uh, and so it certainly doesn't address online dating because the, the Internet, too, is a new idea, even yeah. newer idea. And so... Uh, so the Bible does not condemn online dating, and so neither do I. Uh, but I would say you need to be wise mm-hmm. in the way you go about it. And so there's there's three principles that I think will be helpful quickly. I'd say one, you need to know profiles lie. So never trust a profile. Like I can be anybody I want to be online. I can I can have memory verses. I can tell you where I go to church. Mm-hmm. I can I can research Jesus, and I can be super Christian online. And, and an agent of Satan in real life. So just, just know that profiles lie. Uh, two, do not enable um, apathy or passivity. And I think there's a lot of guys that are thrilled uh, about a movement called online dating because they don't have to actually face a woman. And so I, I can just tell you in ministry that I've met with people who are really, really courageous behind the keyboard but when you meet them in real life, they're, they're, it's very, very different. And, and so you need to know that, that it's not the same. You can't, and by the way, you can't date online. Uh, dating has to be done in person. Really, when we talk about online dating, we're talking about online initiating. Um, and you want, you're choosing your problems in dating, right? And, and if, you, if you choose, be careful to choose passivity. And sometimes when you do online dating, you're choosing passivity. And I, I get I get emails. I, I do this thing on Friday on Instagram called Friday Q&A. And I get 2,000 questions and I answer about 100 of them. And um, and every single Friday, somebody will say, I'm, I'm married to my husband. He's, he's extremely apathetic and passive. What do I do? And I'm, I'm like, man, that's who you chose. <laughs> that's yep. the, that's mm-hmm. the real bummer is he, could have chosen anybody and that's that's what you went for and so here you are and so be careful not to enable passivity or apathy and then thirdly and this is the one where really stumps people sometimes is is i just like if you're going to date online or initiate online and don't don't go on a date with a stranger mm-hmm. and people are like but that's all online dating is and i'm just like not all dating apps are created equal and uh, and so i would be a bigger fan of the ones that find your friends in common where you can call them and say, Hey, I'm going to go on this date with Mark. Is Mark a good guy? He said, he's going to church here. Is that true? Mark tells me he serves in the nursery. Is that true? And just kind of check references. Cause I just don't want to be, you know, people ask me also, um, you know, how do I find out if they're a Christian or not when I'm on a date? And I'm like, man, I hope you find out if they're a Christian long before you get on a date. I don't want to be sitting at a table. And so I'm just, I'm a big fan of arranged marriage. That's what the, the scripture lends itself to, but here's what I mean by that. That's a dangerous soundbite. I'm a big fan. <laughs> we all lean your... in, just so you know yeah, that yeah, we yeah, all yeah. lean yeah. in there. Well, I'm doing I'm doing a contest, you know, with outdated. I'm I'm doing an arranged marriage. And uh, and so it, it's it's created some questions. But here's what arranged marriage is in my mind today in 2021. Is it your friends and family saying, man, you guys, y'all that makes sense. Like y'all should y'all should spend some time together. And so it's not like meeting somebody at the altar for the first time. It is just your, you know, Song of Solomon says their friends and family praise their love more than wine. So basically saying the friends and family praised what they had more than the, the party in and of itself. They, they loved the way they loved each other. And, uh, and I think that's what a, a modern arranged marriage is. It's just your friends and family um, saying this makes sense. And so for my single friends, what I would do is I would go to all your married friends and I would express to them a desire to be married. If you desire marriage, say just, I really want to be married. Do you know of anybody? Will you keep me in mind and be thinking as you meet and interact with single people? um, If you know of anyone 
that you think I would be a good match for, would you please let me know or let them know? And, uh, and I think that's a really loving thing. And I know that sounds crazy or archaic, but I have seen that work so well. Like that has been a blessing to some friends of mine. So I recommend, I commend that to you. Yeah, I think that's a great approach of recognizing, you know, what our friends and families think and say about the person that we're dating, or maybe the person we are becoming in that relationship is significant. I've had plenty of friends from high school. I remember being 25 years old and I was, I was single. I was frustrated. I was like, Lord, like I dated a guy for six years. I, I was obedient. I broke it off. I walked away from that. I want what you have for me. And I found myself you could easily spiral. And this was one of my thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I would, um, I just want to be married. And I'm like, okay, that is not the right approach to have. I need to enjoy my singleness and become who I need to become and pray for my future spouse before I become, before I get married, put myself out there. And I remember there were two or three girls in my class. I was really good friends with K through 12. And by the time they were 25, they were on their second divorce, two to three kids later. And I found myself thinking and being jealous and frustrated. And I'm like, they've had two chances at marriage. I haven't even had one. And just really calling out the jealousy that the enemy was placing in my heart, I think is important to recognize what are our triggers in our season of singleness. But when we have friends and family around us who can point us to some very amazing people and give us an opportunity to meet somebody that doesn't mean, like you said, they're going to get married the moment they meet, (laughs) but recognizing like, I have an opportunity to meet somebody that somebody thinks that I could hit it off with. Mm -hmm. And we know that many of our listeners are, are they're single. They're wrestling with those same exact thoughts, whether it's jealousy, frustration, excitement, anticipation, whatever that is. And Josiah and I say, aside from your relationship with Jesus Christ, the second relational um, decision that you will make that is not equally as important, but is very important is who you marry. It's who God chose for you and who you were willing to say yes to, not for who you settled for. Mm -hmm. And so JP, I would just, maybe you already gave a little glimpse into what advice you would have, but for the listener who is maybe single, um, what piece of encouragement would you have for them today? Yeah, I would say, you know, Paul says that singleness is a gift. Amen. (laughs) And so everyone wants to know, if they have the gift of singleness and I've learned, and in fact, outdated gives you a quiz to determine if you have the gift of singleness or not. And I can, I can ask you the question right now, because it's really just one question to determine if you have the gift of singleness. And, and I've learned that I can tell beyond a shadow of doubt if someone has it or not. And it's this question, are you single? And if the answer is yes, then you have the gift of singleness. Um, and I don't know if you have it for a day or, or a week or a month or, or a year or 10 years or the rest of your life. No one can see the future, but, but, but I know that it's a gift because the scripture tells me it's a gift. And I know experientially that it's a gift because he says, you know, a married man is concerned about the affairs of his, his, of his marriage, his wife, his, his household. And I've seen that play out in my own life. Like marriage is good. The, the proverb tells me that marriage is good, but it doesn't say anywhere that singleness is bad. And so we know the guy that wrote 80% of the New Testament was single. And we know that Jesus, being the most complete human being that's ever lived, wow. was, was 33 years old and single. Mm-hmm. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 is really just plagiarizing Jesus in Matthew 19. Now, this is a verse that not many people hit on, but it's, it's really profound on the topic. Jesus says in Matthew 19 that there are some who are celibate for the sake of the kingdom. He says, not one can accept this, but those who can should. And, mm-hmm. he, and he's saying, and he really is elevating singleness. And, um, and so for the single person, like you can't see your gift as something you want to exchange or return or do something else with. Here's the last thing I would tell you, my single friend. You've all heard, everyone has heard the grass is always greener, but think about it in this profound way. If, if 50% of people who get married divorce, somewhere around half, and then you have this other large percentage that don't divorce, but they're miserable. Sure, they're unhappy. Sure. Most, most marriages fail. 
Mm-hmm. Most marriages fail. And a divorce is not like a flippant decision. Like it represents some like really hard times, long seasons without intimacy, things getting thrown against the wall, uh, names being called. I mean, you don't just stand before a judge and say, hey, I want to undo this thing called marriage. And so there's a lot of married people that want to be single. And there's a lot of single people that want to be married. And I think, you know, it said the scripture says godliness with contentment is great gain. Beautiful. So we have to look at the situation and the season that we're in and say, God, how do I fully leverage this for you and for your kingdom? And it's not bad to desire a spouse. Um, it becomes sinful when you make a spouse ultimate, like an ultimate desire. Then it becomes uh, an idol. And so the so what we have to do and wrestle with is to keep that in that safe place of like, this is the desire of mine, but it's not ultimate. I'm going to be okay regardless of what God does. And we play these weird games. Like people say silly things like, well, as soon as you stop looking, you know, that's when you'll find someone. You may stop looking and get cancer and die. I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't mean to be so flippant with something so heavy. My point is I, we, we don't need to be silly about it. We just need to be faithful. We need to be faithful with whatever gift we've been given today and, and then trust God for tomorrow. JP, that's phenomenal. And I, I was so grateful in my own life and journey to stumble across the youth pastor in my life. And I was single during that season, obviously. And even he walked with me through college and just was a mentor in my life, close friend. And one of the things that he encouraged me in a message, and I'll never forget it. He, he just said, everybody, look at your hand. You've got five fingers. There's five things you should think about before you hold somebody's hand. So I'll give obviously credit to Brent Silkey for this, but he just talked about the importance of faith being like an opposable thumb that touches every other finger in your life. And so before you go on a date with somebody or, or especially hold their hand where th- that communicates that the relationship is getting more serious mm-hmm. and more of a commitment to find out their importance of their faith. And if that matches up and the second was their direction in life, like, are you heading in a direction that's inch? an inch off now because it could become miles apart. Mm -hmm. So that's a pointer finger of direction. The third one was a finger that everyone can communicate very effectively with the middle finger. Um, But I'm not holding it up by itself right now. I'm just pointing to it in a sense that communication, if communication is a struggle or the person will only DM you and they won't communicate when you're out for coffee, (laughs) that's, that's an important detail to pay attention to. And then I think the ring finger is if you one day want to put on a ring right. on their ring finger to know that like just the commitment that, mm-hmm. that you are, are you committed and are they committed before you even hold hands? Because this is something that's a tool that can help you along the way, not to encounter a lot of heartbreak and it can save you. And the last one is the one that we often lead with and that's chemistry, the pinky. And so you've, you've got like so many people start out with chemistry and find out, am I compatible with this person? Do they believe in God? And we're five months in, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. And so that's just a helpful tool that I stumble on that. I just wanted to bless the listener with, and I pray it's a value. And back to you, JP, I would just ask for maybe the the couple like that's dating and texting themselves right now, because a lot of dating couples, by the way, they listen to podcasts and then they text each other notes. So I'm counting that there's some people doing that. And as they're doing this, what would one piece of advice for the couple that's began a relationship, they're starting to hold hands, but they've not said I do yet. They're not married. They're, they're not engaged. They're just dating. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah. First, let me say to you, I'm going to steal that. And so who, who do I need to give credit to? Right. Silky. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, connect you guys. Great. Okay. Friend. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, that, that is now mine. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I've got some advice for the person who's dating. I, I think I've got some good advice. It, it's really simple advice, but it blows my mind how many people overlook this. And so it's like, it's it's this. If you don't know what you're looking for, you won't know if you found it, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you don't know what you're looking for, you won't know if you found it. And this is what I've found that most dating people are looking for, a feeling, right? Um, I'm looking for someone who makes me feel a certain way so that then I know, and I know when I know, and all these weird things that we say, and I just want to go on record and as lovingly as I can, and as pastoral, like hear this in the most loving, compassion, pastoral tone that I can say it, that's stupid. And, um, and I think you have to know what you're looking for beyond 
a feeling. Um, it, 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 like, think about what quality traits, if I'm a girl and I'm dating someone, I want to know what do I want in a husband and what do I want as the father of my children? Mm-hmm. And so what are those character traits that someone must have to be a great husband and a great father? And, and then I need to think, does he have those character traits? And if he doesn't have those character traits, so then I'm wasting my time. And if he does, then I need to think, great, what else am I looking for? And, and in dating, right, before marriage, you think, what do I need to do in order to find that out? It's really just the job interview. And so I would never go to a job interview and think, well, do I want this job? Well, it just depends on how they make me feel. I'm going to go to this job interview and I'm going to think, well, what does it pay? What are the benefits? What will I be doing? Yeah. You know, is it match with my skills? Is my resume support? Am I going to be a blessing to them? Are they going to be a blessing to me? Right. I have these, I have things in mind beyond what I feel because your feelings have betrayed you in every relationship you've ever been in. Like it, almost anybody you've dated at some point, you, you know, you got out of bed with that pep in your step and you were so excited to, to take the day because you're in a relationship and you were loved by someone and you, your heart, you have all the feels about all, and you, and you, you think all the things and then it doesn't go anywhere. And so those feelings betrayed you. And my point mm-hmm. is feelings change. Proverbs mm-hmm. 3130 says charm is decept- deceitful beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so we, we put that pinky finger first. We say, Hey, chemistry mm-hmm. and attraction is ultimate when really it is last. I mean, it, it's, the thing, it's, it's as valuable as just attraction. Like it, that's all it does. Yep. But like, if you, if you go and, and, you know, always rock people's world with this, but if you marry somebody and you know, you're, you're God, loving person they're god loving person i hope you marry them you go on the honeymoon you know they they jump off the cliff at, at, in hawaii and they hit a rock and and then and they're 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 quadriplegic they're deformed they can't talk i'm not wishing this on anybody and i know it's graphic but now your lot in life is is changing diapers for the rest of your life mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't mean you made a mistake you know what i mean it doesn't mean you made a poor choice it doesn't mean that god's mad at you it means that this world that we live in is fallen mm-hmm. and, and things happen and we got to overstop. We got to, we got to stop over prioritizing our feelings. Yep. Feelings are real, but they're not always reliable. And, and sometimes they lead us astray. Mm-hmm. And so you got to know what you're looking for. That would be, you know, and, and know. So to the dating person, I would say, know what you're looking for and know what you need to do in order to figure out if this person is that. That's amazing. JP. It's simple, I, isn't it? I mean, it's just it's simple. simple. Stick I, with it, people. <laughs> I, I love it of just providing intentionality and knowing what you're looking for, or else you're not going to know if you found it. Simple, but profound and probably hard to apply. And the opposite is true. If you start looking for something, you're going to find it. So if you're believe, looking for trouble, you're probably going to find trouble. <laughs> I believe that we do find what we're looking for in life in a lot of ways. And I'll just highlight one other thing for something that we're, we're recording this during Valentine's Day week, yep. right? Yeah. And yeah. I love love. <laughs> Micah loves love. And um, it's just, it's a fun time of the year. And I think that one of the things that was so, so cool, she did for me, didn't know she did it for me. We were dating, we got engaged. And the whole time she was doing four things. She was praying, mm-hmm. she was fasting, she was reading scripture, and then she was journaling it to me, her future spouse. Mm -hmm. And that in our little friend circle, that idea um, traveled around and just like, oh, I heard you gave Josiah, because I talked about it. It was a blessing to me. And she ended up taking this idea of, because so many people ask, like, what did you write in it? How do you write? How do you journal? How do you you read scripture? How do you pray? And what's fasting? And so she took this into a journal called Worth the Wait. It's available at our website. Yeah. Link it in the show notes. But it's so cool the idea that if if you are single or dating or even you're engaged, you still have time to do four things. Mm-hmm. Pray for that future spouse fast and trust that you're giving up something physically for something eternal. And then to read the scripture, to mm-hmm. fall in love with the story of God that JP referenced earlier. Like mm-hmm. we should read this cameo appearance on earth right. in this God story. And then the last one is just the journal. And if mm-hmm. you're looking to journal or you're looking for a resource, clearly outdated, 
finding love that lasts when dating has changed. And also I would just add Micah's resource of worth the wait because I made for you. That's helped literally probably a thousand couples Mm -hmm. um, or individuals and it's leather bound. You get, you then get to be like Michael was the hero where you present this to them on the night of your wedding. And Micah, thanks for doing that. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) Well, that's genius. That's genius. I'm buying it right now. All right, here we go. I love it. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy it, buy it and share with, with my single friends. So that that's awesome. It's so fun. And we have 50, 50%, 50% men, 50% women are journaling these, writing these and presenting the, to them, their spouse on their wedding night. So to hear the stories and to hear the breakthrough, because it brings Christ back into the center of singleness, dating or engagement. And yeah, it's just super fun. But we also want to uh, interview you a little further because this um, episode was worth the wait, JP. So mm-hmm. we have something coming up. We have five minutes left. So these are five final thoughts. Kind of rapid fire, that's like right. a home run derby. A home run derby, that's right. Five questions, five minutes. Do you think you can do it? Yep, let's go. All right, warmed up. Okay, question number one. If you could describe your soul right now, what three words would you use to describe it? Hopeful um, would be the first word uh, that I would use. Um, happy and um and then i think in the wake of last year i, I would just throw in tired and so it's mm-hmm. a weird blend of those three it's almost like a, a happy hopeful tired sandwich <laughs> <laughs> so those are the three words thanks for sharing that yeah i'd ask you this words carry weight and they, we know they mean something to us and you and to our listener are there any words that you you like live by it could be a quote a verse a song lyric, but something that you hold on to. Yeah. Um, so my life verse is Matthew six thirty three. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be added. And I just there's a wrestle with me of always like, all right, God, what is my role? What is your role? What is my role? What is your role? And um, just to to define success as faithfulness with whatever He's given me, and like to trust Him with everything else. So faithfulness would be another one. Um, I always say um, you can't judge obedience by the outcome. Um, that is in, in America, like we just learn logic processing. We always think about the perceived outcome, but sometimes obedience has nothing to do with the perceived outcome. It's just walking in faithfulness. That's so good. All right, JP, here's the curveball of this Derby. If you could ask us one question, what would you ask us today? Um, I would say, what's the secret to uh, a healthy marriage? You guys seem like you have chemistry and having fun and and together. So for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think it does go back to the prayer that was on the front end. It does go back to the careful evaluation and like taking dating seriously to recognize I get one shot at this. Mm -hmm. I only ever want to have one marriage. And, Mm -hmm. and then I think when you go into it with that, mindset, I think then it becomes just a, like, I'm here to serve. So I remember when Aurora, uh, our daughter, when she was not born yet, we went to like the, I forget the name of the clinic, but essentially the doctor who's a baby doctor. Pediatrician? Um, no, the one for like a female doctor. Oh, the OBGYN? That one. And, <laughs> and we went there and we met with her and, you know, she did, she, you know, they did, it was a fun field trip, by the way, but they started, ultrasound. they did the ultrasound. It was amazing. And it was the coolest field trip I've ever been on in life. But the thing that caught them off guard was they asked for some help from me or they asked me to wait. And I just said, Hey, I'm just here to serve. And I feel like if I can say those words every day, like, Hey, Micah, I'm just here to serve the OBGYN. She's a doctor. She goes, we need some of that at my house. (laughs) And I just go, I think that that is what might be missing is the approach of service. I'm just here to wash feet. I'm just here to serve. And I'd say that that's blessed me and us in our marriage. Yeah. I think, um, what I would answer with that is keeping Christ at the center of everything of your, of your, your personal 
personal life, like me, there's a he, there's a she, and there's a we. And if we can understand that Christ needs to be the center of all three of those and not neither of us are dragging each other along or, you know, being drug along, I think to recognize that Christ brought us together. Like you said earlier, we have a very short life on this earth and we want to live life to the fullest. And if we can do that with amazing people and invite people in on that process. And if our marriage can be a testimony to others and to young adults, we want to be able to do that. So we want to be real. We want to be authentic. We want to be fun and we want to have fun because God designed us to have fun and be adventurous and enjoy everything he created in the midst of whatever else we're going through. So dating your spouse forever, I think is something that we've decided to do. So we have a date night every single week. And sometimes it can be three hours. Sometimes it feels like it's 30 minutes. So I would just say to the listener, um, keeping Christ at the center and keeping each other a priority are just two significant things. So, yeah. Question four. Good. Question four. Good JP, answer. back Good to you. This is uh-huh. a trip, but you said that we could ask you anything. Sure. I'm curious. Can you show us the painting or the picture behind you? Because I'm my money is on that it's a lion. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's and, a lion over the city. Oh my gosh! This is a beautiful picture. Um, hopefully, we can like post a link on Instagram or something. <laughs> it's so cool, and I could only see part of it. Yeah. We just love the character of a lion. We went on our honeymoon, and we went to the National Geographic store. And we saw a lion picture similar to that one, but it was like a real lion. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Photograph. And it's just, all, and then like our daughter's name, Aurora, kind of has like a little bit of a roar mm-hmm. in it, you know? <laughs> so that was my question. I love that. I love does that. that. That's awesome. Does that yeah, for sure. mean, mean anything to you? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just did it, uh, did that for me when I was in Dallas. And so that's the Dallas skyline. It's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the Lion of Judah, it's God watching over the city. Aslan, Narnia. Yes. On that one. C.S. Lewis, yeah. praise God for him. All right. So question number five, we'll wrap up here, JP. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Yeah. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good for in due time, you will produce a harvest. Trust the God of the harvest. And so I think, man, ministry is hard. Uh, there's definitely a grind to it. But you need to make sure you set the crosshairs on faithfulness, that you define success and faithfulness, especially mm-hmm. today in a season of, of celebrity pastors of sorts and, and social media. I think it's really easy to get in this slippery slope of, well, if more people like me, then more people like Jesus. And so I'm going to try to get them to like me so I can get them to like Jesus. And at some point, it's really just about them liking you. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize when that switch has flipped. But narcissism in ministry is a really, really dangerous thing. In fact, it's an agent of the enemy. And so you you want to remain a servant in the same way that you said in that OB's office, you know, how I'm just here to serve. You want to maintain that mentality in ministry. I'm just here to serve. Um, I'm a servant to the king. You got to know your role. You're not a king. You're a servant to the king. And so um, stay there. Remain a servant to the king. That's great. JP, that is an amazing note to leave us on. And I just pray that people are encouraged, whether they're single, whether they're dating or they're leading a ministry. I just think that I pray that they'll check out your books like um, Welcome to Adulting. That one's amazing. Welcome to the Future Church. And then March 2nd is about the time frame we're going to launch this podcast is Outdated, Finding love that lasts when dating has changed and we just want to say thank you for your time for your investment into micah and i and into our community as well it's been a joy guys thanks so much for having me on i hope you have a great day yes absolutely you too god bless thanks for listening to today's conversation on the young adults today podcast If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.